Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. It's going to be a great show tonight. I really want to cover uh, and discuss just the current economic situation uh, of the United States. Um, Jobs report came out, a lot of interesting developments within the uh, economic activities of the United States. Really want to jump into it and just try to provide some type of insight and outlook uh, going forward. Uh, but I look forward to engaging with you on It Is What It Is podcast. David Gura, fantastic writer, goes on to write, uh, U.S. stocks have dropped uh, sharply as investors weighed sobering economic forecast and new data. Along with the indications that the COVID-19 pandemic is far from subsiding, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down over 1,800 points or 6.9%, and the S&P was down, or the S&P 500 was down 5.9%. This is the biggest fall since March 16th, basically when COVID began. Just a day uh, before the NASDAQ composite hit a intraday high. Several sectors, including hospitality and leisure, affected steep declines as more than 20 states report a climb in coronavirus cases. There are new worries that uh, consumers will be reluctant to return to restaurants and take trips. Um, here's here's reality. Even though if you look at the May's job report, there was a gain in the report of 2.5 million jobs. Unemployment dropped on a national average from 14.7 to 13.3. But... If you started off at crap and you went to boo-boo, it's still a, a dirty situation, right? So there's a lot to unpack there, a lot to consider. I think you can't just uh, think that, you know, the best, you know, is yet to come. You know, it's, it's not a Donald Lawrence song. It's, it's really an understanding of where do we go from here? Department of Labor uh, released his latest report uh, saying that even in the last week, uh, the week of June the 8th, more than 1.5 million people have filed for unemployment benefits. So uh, less and less people are filing for unemployment benefits, but the unemployment benefits are still high as far as files, even though the weekly cancer decline uh, since their peak in March, the numbers are still staggering since the pandemic began. Over 44 million people have filed initial unemployment claims. The reality is, there may be a plethora of talent, but companies willing to turn the engine on and ramp up hiring and invest in human capital isn't there. The companies are starting to put the engine into neutral, and some have even turned it on and shifted into drive. But accelerating that full throttle to a massive hiring uh, uh, phase, I think companies are taking the conservative approach. And here's why. COVID is still here and and doing whatever it does, unfortunately. The other thing is states that have basically opened up faster are now reporting more and more COVID-related uh, cases. The other thing is, since the vaccine is, has not been available and is not available by the time the summer ends and the flu season begins and winter sets in, the onset and then really the uptake and intake of it will increase again. So you'll have the second wave. So trying to invest in this 90-day window just isn't feasible. 
So companies are basically taking a conservative look because they have the figures. They know what they need to operate. They know that they need to invest heavily in technology. They know that they need to make their processes more efficient. But the reality is, unfortunately, they can do a lot of this without excess human capital. So instead of paying somebody, they'll, you know, a a 40,000 base salary, they'll spend $20,000 on software implementation and don't have to worry about sick days, don't have to worry about raises, promotions. Uh, Once the pay is paid, it's paid. And that's where the shift is. I am seeing and do believe that companies will rehire. I don't believe it's a war for talent as it is a war for employment. Um, I, I really think that the, the focus of companies across the board, especially within the U.S., is just how do we maintain without going under? And that's really, to me, kind of the, the, the gist that the, these economic conditions are, are relaying. Uh, federal chairman uh, did not dismiss the jobs report. He urged lawmakers makers who are debating another stimulus package not to dismiss his numbers. Powell, Jerome Powell, the uh, federal chairman uh, of the Federal Reserve Bank, the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, Bank, stated that he praised the House and the Senate for the fiscal relief that they passed so far, but indicated that it might not be enough. He stated that it's possible that we will need to do more, and it's possible that Congress will need to do more. And he's absolutely right. The economic relief of the CARES Act was really just uh, a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. It was a start, but it's not the true um, solution or true true gauge that needs to happen. The reality is there needs to be an implementation of UBI, a universal basic income that can ensure that no matter what, every citizen above the age of 18 is guaranteed this, and you can guarantee a living wage and a minimal standard. And when you do that, when you have literally supplanted this and implemented this for all Americans, you will have, I will say, the foundation to go forward. And really, it's that's what it's about. It is going forward. There is hope, however. I do want to kind of, not just kind of, but I do really want to get into the reaction from uh, our chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, Jerome Powell, really read the Federal Reserve Bank stands because really the Federal Reserve Bank is the last voice of reason uh, when it comes to uh, fiscal policy uh, in our um, government on a national level. Uh, Lucy Bailey goes on to write that the Federal Reserve opted uh, to keep interest rates at the current level of near zero. Until the economy is in a quote-unquote healthy place, uh, amid historic unemployment and economic or economy paralyzed by the coronavirus, central bank said it expects to maintain this target range until it's confident that the economy has weathered recent events and is on track to achieve its maximum employment and price stability goals. I think that's well said. Um, I think there's an understanding that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but we have to make sure that not only are we prepared still to get through the tunnel, that when we come out of the tunnel, we don't get uh, burnt uh, by the UV rays, right? We have to be prepared for both shifts. You know, there is a downshift and then an upshift, and the two go hand in hand. And I think that's really important to understand, especially from an economic standpoint of how to prepare and sustain long-term growth. Uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of the FOMC uh, voted unanimously to keep the rate of change. Also released economic project, uh, projections 
that indicate a focus on longer term recovery rather than a quick fix. The central bank forecasted a 6.5% drop in GDP for 2020 with a 3.5% growth by 2022. So basically in the next two years, uh, a flip, uh, really a plus nine. Um, and I really think that is because of economic, not economic, but political change of the expectation or expectancy of that. Understanding that uh, once the you know we get this under control from a global pandemic, from a medical stance, how to get back to some sense of normalcy and fluidity. And when all these factors are kind of working hand in hand, and then with more advent into the investment into human capital, that's when you're going to start seeing that growth again. Uh, so the the economy is gradually reopening, jobs are slowly returning. The National Bureau of Economic Research declared uh, that the U.S. is officially, though, however, in a recession, uh, which ended the 128 months of economic expansion, which is the longest stretch on record. So even though it is technically uh, and officially now in an economic recession, it did uh, avert, uh, not overt, but <laughs> avert or diverted, uh, stayed away from, dodged uh, the depression uh, that was really on the fear. Uh, I think the projections were basically that the major report would say that, you know, Hill had frozen over and, uh, you know, basically the U.S. economy, along with the global economy, basically just took this downward shift. Now, with that being said, there's still work to be done. The biggest threats to the current state of the economy is when you have the global pandemic. The other one is you have automation uh, or what um, Andrew Wang uh, Andrew Yang, presidential, uh, past presidential hopeful, Andrew Yang stated as the fourth industrial revolution. And then the uh, other or the third one that has always been there uh, is the systemic uh, racism. And when you add all these factors uh, that should we can basically eradicate. I mean, obviously, technology is designed to help us, but to use it to replace human beings is another thing we can now start building a better path. But you have to address it. You have to take care of the global state. You have to take care of the fact that we have this pandemic. You have to deal with that. You also have to deal with companies uh, putting dollars over human beings. You have to deal with the economic necessities. And even if you cannot necessarily force companies to retain or to hire, you can supply from a national standpoint a universal basic income. And then you have to... Focus on increasing diversity efforts. You have to focus on on eliminating, not just alleviating, but eliminating uh, the structural racism that has plagued uh, black community, minority community, and so many other communities for too long. And when you do that, you will provide that long-term sustainable growth. The owner of Hobby Lobby, David Green, has made controversy over the past week or two, uh, he goes on to state that owning slaves is his biblical right, his constitutional right, his human right. Uh, Snops goes on to publish uh, that the CEO, Hobby Lobby, claimed not being able to own slaves violates his religious freedom. 
basically, he's stating that the First Amendment comes before the 13th and the 14th Amendment, and the Bible clearly approves of owning slaves, said David Green on Fox News. Okay, um, in the midst of racial unrest, in the midst of civic uh, just uproar, uh, a very hostile environment, this is where the true colors are being shown. You have a CEO who claims to be of Christian faith, but which is not new considering it's the same uh, arguments that the slave masters had, that it is his right, it is his constitutional right to own another human being. As a believer, I want to break down just kind of that understanding of the concept of slavery, biblically speaking. Properly translated, it's more of a servant on a contractual basis. So like a temp to hire. Uh, This temp to hire would perform duties uh, for stated wages for a duration of time. The master, quote unquote, or the employer, more likely uh, in more modern day context, uh, could not abuse, could not misuse uh, the worker, the uh, participant, the uh, agreement holder, or that person be the agreement holder or the agree, um, could not falsely claim allegations against them, could not uh, sexually force themselves up to them. It was a mutual exchange between goods and services for a length of time. This could happen, though, as a result of being in debt, as a way to pay off one's debt, uh, but it would be on a contractual level, not chattel slavery, what American uh, proponent of slavery uh, involves. So, you know, I think this is appalling. This is disturbing. This goes to show you that things really have not changed the way that we thought that they had or the way we were misled to think. It goes on to show that we have so much work to do and we cannot afford to rest on our laurels or or just give in or think everything is just, you know, as casual as and we can just go on in this business as usual. The reality is there is a segment of the population that has never been okay with the freeing of slaves. They are not okay with the fact that the South lost. And then there's a larger segment of population within the United States that's really not okay with the full equality of Black people or people of color as a whole. They might be against extremism or extreme bigotry or racism, but not against white supremacy. So you're really fighting the overall system of of injustice. Uh, This is demoralizing. It is unacceptable. Uh, It is devastating. I encourage all participants of good conscience, those who consider themselves a good person, to boycott Hobby Lobby, um, to not partake in their services. Um, Or if, if you do, can you wrestle with the fact that this CEO believes that it is his God given right to be somebody's master? And that comes down to an ethical um, stance that you have to decide by yourselves. Uh, what if you work for them? That's hard because you got to put food on the table. You know, you have over 40 million unemployed. Uh, so to risk going back into the labor market at this time might be, you know, um, it might be costly. So I understand why one would be apprehensive, but at least on a moral level, you have to disagree with this man because. The reality is, if you are not white and male 
he really has no place for you. All right, this has been another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to presenting more contact with you. Check out the episodes. Check out me on YouTube, CVK, see the live video interviews. Uh, Subscribe to the app. The new app will be out soon as I hear back from customer service. It'll be out. But look, follow me on IG uh, at CVMK33. Until next time, thanks.